Hi everyone, welcome to the Sacred Musings podcast with me, Phil Saker. Episode 54 today, it's the 13th of October 22, and today we are thinking about why, if you hate people, perhaps you should join a cause. So welcome to the podcast, everyone. Um, I'm just going to say right off the bat that this will be a little bit shorter than normal. Um, as I'm recording this uh, a bit later on this morning, I um, have a funeral to attend. So um, I'm not going to, um, yeah, I just need to do, make this a bit shorter today. Um, we're just going to run through things a bit more briefly. Uh, but more on that in a moment. Um, let me just go through the news quite quickly. Just some of the things which I've seen uh, in this last week, which I, I thought were, were really quite interesting. Um, one of the interesting things that I saw uh, this week was a thread on Twitter about Wikipedia. That You know that if you go on Wikipedia sometimes, it will show you a banner saying, we need donations. And um, this particular person who was, um, I think I've quoted one of their Twitter threads before, actually, called Echetus, um, E-C-H-E-T-U-S. Um, there we go. I'll put the link down below to the thread if you want to read it. But um, looking into where your donations go if you donate to Wikipedia, and this person had donated in the past. And uh, what's interesting is if you trace the donations through, it goes to the Wikimedia Foundation. And they are, uh, you know, they handle money in terms of, you know, it's about donating money to causes. That's what the Wikimedia Foundation does. And if you look into it, it's all the culture war kind of stuff. It's all transgender this and, you know, all of these other kind of things, donating money to fight the culture wars. So if you donate money to Wikipedia, it will actually be used to fight the culture wars, which is something that you might not expect. Actually, their costs in terms of hosting, you know, web hosting and the, the technical costs are negligible compared to the amount that they actually, the amount of money that they actually handle. And so I thought that was quite a fascinating thread and does give you pause for thought about these big organisations. You know, you've got to think if you donate, where is the money going to? Um, and it's worth looking into that. It's always worth looking into that in, anyway. But uh, yeah, worth looking into that, I think, particularly for these online companies. Um the, uh, the second thing that I'd like to highlight, just a, um, a couple more things, um, Robert Malone, uh, you may know Robert Malone, I think he was one of the co-creators of the mRNA technology, uh, vaccine technology, and he has um, come out as being sceptical of the, um, the COVID vaccines, and of course he's been cancelled by the mainstream establishment. Um, but he wrote a piece on his blog called The Calm Covid Truth of Dr. Joe Ladapo. Joe Ladapo is the uh, Surgeon General of Florida and Florida changed its uh, guidance recently to say that um, young men aged 18 to 39 should not receive the Covid vaccine because of an elevated risk of heart um, cardiac arrest. And there was a scientific study which they'd done, which they cited as part of this. And of course, he was for a, for a while, he was banned from Twitter, the Surgeon General. The Surgeon General of Florida um, was banned from Twitter. I mean, incredible. And um, anyway, he, um, yeah, but he's, he's been a model of just being calm and focused on the data, focused on the science throughout. And I really liked what um, Robert Malone had to say about him. I'd just like to read you a paragraph from that because I thought this was really good. Um, to my mind, 
every one of these uh, inverted commas controversial positions demonstrate that Joe is precisely the type of medical leader that we so desperately need in these times. But based on my personal experience, what is most remarkable about Dr. Ladapo is his calm, unflappable demeanour and impeccable moral compass in the face of the hurricane of criticism which he has withstood. The contrast to the federal HHS and global leaders is profound. This is the type of leader that I can follow. What you hear in the Megyn Kelly interview at the top of this essay is the Joe Ladapo that I know, as usual, without any aff affectation or artifice. As we see other physicians who seek to be identified as central leaders, suffering from the effects of egotism and the desire to commercialise newfound fame, Joe has maintained an even keel and steady eye on the horizon, and has continued to maintain a calm and steady hand at the tiller. Keep that in mind as you read the press announcement and associated epidemiological analysis which he has recently announced to the world. This man is the polar opposite of doctors Anthony Fauci, Deborah Birx and Rochelle Walensky. No grandstanding, no self-aggrandizement, refreshingly not narcissistic. I really like that. It's saying, you know, this is the kind of leader that I can follow. And that's something which has really struck me over the last uh, two or three years, you know, that it's been a real lack of leadership, that there have been too few people who have been prepared to stand up in public and say, this is... I do not agree with what is happening. Now, let's look at the actual data. Let's balance the harms. Let's let's look at a balanced picture. Let's you know look at the cost and benefits uh, and so on. You know, let's just take stock and stop a moment without rushing forward into everything, which which we've rushed into. And um, you know this this guy uh, Joe Ladapo seems like a really good guy. And there, I think the um, Ron DeSantis as well, the governor of Florida, has been admirable. Um, and I think you know, if only we had more leaders like him. And you know, they are they are, I think, a shining light really um, in this world of what leadership should look like at a time like this. Focused on the data, focused on the facts, not focused on kind of political messaging, not being cowed by the mob into making um, kind of knee-jerk decisions, but standing firmly on the truth and standing firmly on on the data. And I think that that is exactly, exactly what we need just at the moment. So I, th I thought that was a lovely um, a piece anyway. And um, yeah, I'll put the link down below as always. Um, now, this is all talking about the vaccines and this is probably going to get me banned from YouTube again. But um, it's something because it's happening. I need to talk about it. And um, by the way, as you, you probably saw, my previous podcast was um, banned from, um, from well, I, I couldn't upload it to YouTube. It's on Odyssey still. So if you missed last week because it's not on YouTube, it is on Odyssey. Um, and I'll, the link to my Odyssey channel is down in the description as well. Um, so if any for any reason my YouTube channel disappears, then it will be over on Odyssey. Um, yeah, there was um, Bev Turner... Um, put on Twitter uh, linked to a story uh, Martin McCutcheon's younger brother uh, has suddenly died aged 31 um, this was reported in the mirror and um, it's just see another example of a, a spate of deaths of young people in their you know 20s and 30s and you know uh, but, but people who are you know way before their the time that they would normally be expected to die um, far too young and um, and dying of no explainable causes 
And it wasn't that he had a heart condition. It wasn't that he was ill of anything. He just died. And he, he was healthy, you know, uh, um, about three days before, she said, you know, he's getting ready, preparing to be married. And then he just died. And there's no medical explanation as yet. And this just seems to be happening more and more. And I don't understand why people are so blasé about this. You know, what? why is it that, you know, people are not asking the question, well, what could possibly be causing this? You know, is there a particular medical intervention which has been introduced in the last couple of years, which wasn't there before, which might be causing this kind of thing? And folks, you know, it, it just seems obvious to me that at least there, there is something here which needs urgent investigation. And in fact, Dr. Asim Malhotra, as I already mentioned in um, in the previous podcast, has said, you know, called for a, an immediate cessation of the mRNA vaccines. And I think I would agree. You know, it seems that that is the case here, that there are literally people who are dropping dead. And we see more and more of this. And we've seen elevated um, excess deaths. I was reading something yesterday about the number of... It was on the Daily Skeptic, actually, publishing about what's happening in the NHS. There's an increase in cardiac um, events. And, you know, that's part of the reason why hospitals are struggling at the moment um, and so on. So why is it that no one is willing to join the dots? And, you know, this is as... Robert Malone was saying we need leadership at this time. We need someone to actually say, well, what does the data say? You know, let's look into this rather than simply going along with a political narrative for convenience. So we need real leadership here. And I'm afraid that is not what we are getting. And, you know, unless things change, we're just going to see more and more of this. You know, young people, this this particular uh, LJ, uh, Martin McCutcheon's brother, dying aged 31. You know, we're just going to see more and more of this, I think, unless unless things change and they need to change urgently. And this is the, the final kind of thought that I wanted to share, which is um, I've seen a lot of people like Mark Dolan on Twitter uh, yesterday or, or on the, the, his GB News show um, saying, you know, no, no forgiveness. You know, the, the people who have encouraged this, we should show them no forgiveness. We should you know, do not forgive, do not forget. Now, as a Christian, I do believe in forgiveness. And I think forgiveness only exists because bad things happen. You know, that we wouldn't need forgiveness if no one ever did anything which wasn't necessary, you know, which forgiveness wasn't necessary. So that, that, that wasn't a very good way of putting it. But you, you understand what I mean. Now, if no one did anything bad, we wouldn't need forgiveness. But uh, I, I think that, I want to say, you know, people need to understand the gravity of what they've done. There needs to be a real and true repentance. And I think people need to see what it is that they've enabled and what they've done. And this is the, what I've been thinking, really, that I want people who supported the COVID measures. I want people who especially who pressed and pressured the, you know, the vaccine and vaccine passports and so on, who, who made pressure on people to get that, to see what it is that they've done, to look the people in the eye who've had people dying or, or people have lost livelihoods or whatever because they've been injured by the vaccine. And I want them to look them in the eye and say, I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. This will never happen again. You know, we were, we were blinded. We were foolish. 
and we will never do that again. We have learnt our lesson. That's what I want to hear. Uh, it's not that I don't want to forgive, but actually I want there to be a genuine repentance. I want people to genuinely see what it is that they've done. Not this kind of, Piers Morgan was um, saying the other day about how he supported the, the vaccine mandates and he was wrong to do that because he'd bought into to, to the, the, um, the hype or, or something like that. And I think, you know, again, that's not, you know, people have died, you know, because of this. It's not just saying, oh, you know, I, I should have, I shouldn't have, um, you know, I pressured you into going and seeing a film that you didn't enjoy. Oh, how terrible. No, that's not that level. You know, this is abuse of human rights. You know, this is terrible. And people need to see that. And that is what I'm hoping for, that actually forgiveness will follow a genuine and heartfelt repentance when people see what it is that they've done rather than just kind of a cheap repentance, which is, you know, oh, it was nothing, you know, don't worry about it, that kind of thing. Uh, I think that's what we need, actually, uh, to move forward from this, people seeing the evil that it, that they've enabled. So with all of that said, um, I'm going to move on now to the main section, thinking about uh, if you hate people, why not save the planet? so what I wanted to talk about in the main section today, briefly, I hope, is why activists seem to hate people so much. So you think about Just Stop Oil, for example, they've been in the news lately causing disruption again. And it, it seems like for them, they don't care if they block an ambulance and someone dies. You know, they don't care if they stop people getting to work or make life inconvenient for people. Because for them, the, the cause is more important than treating people well. And they say, well, more people are going to die if we continue using oil. So that justifies us in treating people badly in the short term because of the long term, um, it will be better. Or you think about um, transgender activists, you know, the way, for example, that they treated J.K. Rowling, um, giving her uh, even death threats and, and so on. There was a really funny article actually by Constantine Kissin. He put up on um, Twitter uh, earlier today where he was saying that, um, you know, the, the threat of uh, death threats and so on didn't convince J.K. Rowling somehow that they were on the side of the good guys. And um, I thought that was that was really funny. But, you know, it, it's this that if someone doesn't agree with our particular cause, then they're clearly a monster. And so we, we're justified in treating them however badly that, you know, in a way that we would never dream of treating um, anyone else, you know, but just because they disagree with the cause. Or even when it comes to, to COVID, I've mentioned this already uh, earlier on, but, you know, the, the way, for example, that Andrew Neil called people who didn't get the vaccine refuseniks and uh, there were articles, you know, it's time to punish the unvaccinated and so on. So, you know, people would, again, this, this kind of the cause saving lives is, is actually, you know, becomes more important than human rights, more important than just basic common decency, treating people well. That seems to, that seems to be a very common experience today. And what I wanted to ask is how did this happen? You know, how did doing good to everyone, to, to whoever you come into contact with, just simply, you know, loving your neighbour, uh, become replaced with become an activist and save the planet or whatever cause that you happen to to be um, involved with. 
it seems to me like there is something about a cause which uh, overrides our natural tendencies. It kind of can become the most important thing, a cause, in a way that just normal life kind of overrides the normal life and, and how we normally uh, treat people and how we are uh, brought up to treat people. So what is it about a cause then which which attracts people? Um, what What makes people go for causes? I think the first thing is there is a feeling of being connected to something bigger or more important than yourself. It, we live in a very secular age, a very materialistic age, and there's not much in the way of anything bigger than ourselves. Um, the word that sometimes gets used is meta-narrative. You know, there's no bigger story which we're part of. It's just us and the stuff that we have. And I think that's very empty. You know, I, I think that people talk a lot about the meaning crisis in the world. And I think there is a genuine meaning crisis in the world today, especially among younger people. They just don't really know what they should be doing in the world. They don't know. They're not part of a bigger story. They're not content just simply to live their lives. They want meaning. But uh, where are they going to find meaning? And this is the problem. And this is why I think a lot of younger people, particularly, are turning to causes to find meaning, because that is fulfilling a need for them. You know, it's it's this emptiness inside which they are trying to fill with a cause. And whether that be transgender or um, climate change or whatever, you know, it's it's becoming a need for them. So I think that's one of the attractions of a cause. The second thing is it gives a feeling of moral virtue. So if you're trying to, to do something good, whether that be, you know, the acceptance of transgender, as you, you might see it, or trying to stop climate change and trying to save lives and so on, then it gives you a feeling of doing the right thing, a feeling of moral virtue. And I think that is particularly um, handy if you're not living a virtuous life, which, let's be honest, uh, most people aren't. Uh, today and well yeah as a Christian of course no one is living a truly virtuous life but you know let's not get into to all of that now but I think there is you know we have very far kind of fallen away from uh, the ways of, of righteousness and love which God has for us we have all fallen short but I think perhaps you know we have fallen further um, than we we had had done in the past in some respects and so, you know, young people particularly haven't got any, uh, have got this sense that they are not living a righteous and virtuous life. And so they devote themselves to a cause to help them get that sense of, oh, I'm virtuous, I'm good. When actually that's not the right place to get it. You know, we need to be uh, looking to God. Uh, so that's the second thing, I think, is to to get that sense of virtue when you, you can't get it from from where it should be got from. Uh, the third thing is a cause means that you get to avoid the inconvenience of having to love people. And this is the thing, isn't it? You know, people are inconvenient. People are complicated. To actually love your neighbour is hard. You know, to actually love your neighbour and want the best for them, you have to think about it. You have to know them. You have to get to know people who you might not necessarily like to start with. You know, you have to. It inconveniences you. And 
you think you know that that's the that's part of the problem isn't it you know you don't you don't choose who your neighbors are you know you just you just are faced with loving the people who god puts in your way um and i think a cause offers you a way of doing what you know um doing what you believe is right uh without the inconvenience of actually having to love your neighbor you know without having all of that messiness in loving your neighbor um and actually a cause makes things black and white you know a cause says well you either support our cause and be a good person or you don't support our cause and you be a bad person so it's just very very um you know you're either in and you're good or you're out and you're bad and it makes it that simple and it's all black and white you know it saves having to do any hard thinking as we were you know, just for example as we were looking at in the podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago about climate change when there are lots of um, shades of gray whatever you you believe about climate change how we respond to it you know, it just makes it black and white saying no this is the right course of action this is the only course of action if you don't agree with that you're out you're bad so i think causes in summary causes fill a void in our society which is created by uh, a lack of meaning and purpose by a lack of morality, you know, people not understanding really uh, right from wrong, how we should be living, and a lack of spirituality as well, uh, which is important, you know, a, la- a lack of God uh, in this secular age. And I think this is why causes have become kind of quasi-religious and apocalyptic, which is, you know, there's nothing wrong with a cause, you know, in itself, that of course you think about William Wilberforce and so on the abolition of slavery that was a good cause but they had it in its proper place but today causes are just become ultimate things you know they they become almost this this religious um dimension and and that's that is the issue is because there is no religious dimension in in most people's lives so a cause has to has to take up that place and so that's why people who don't believe, people who don't go along with the cause, are seen as heretics, basically. They must be punished. And this is what almost every religion has done over the, you know, the whole of human history, which is punish the heretics. You, know, you have to punish those who dissent. And it's impervious to evidence and alternative viewpoints you know, because it's dogma. It's not based on evidence. It's not based on the truth. It is based on dogma. And that, again, is a very, inverted commas, religious uh, thing. Now, you might be thinking, but Phil, you're, you know, you're a Christian. Surely Christianity is a religion. Surely Christianity is, uh, suffers from these things as well. And, um, you know, I, I was actually having a conversation, well, not much of a conversation, but a brief exchange on uh, Facebook the other day on uh, Calvin Robinson's page with someone um, uh, who said religions are just divisive and they they just divide people and, you know, they're all the same and we, we'd be better without them. And I think this is kind of a, a common view. They're saying, well, if these things are religious, then surely Christianity is just the same. But I would beg to differ because I think Christianity treats the people who do not believe with much more respect than any other religion let me just read you as just as we're coming into closing this section let me read you a couple of quotes from the bible 
which talk about how we as Christians are to treat people who do not believe. This is 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 15. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So it says, be prepared to, to talk about the hope that we have and give a reason. But do this with gentleness and respect. And that is key, isn't it? It's saying, try to persuade people. Yes, give a reason intellectually, you know, hold your ground. But make sure you do it with love, with gentleness, with respect. Don't go in all guns blazing or with death threats or, or anything like that. So that is the Christian way. And you think about Jesus, that is exactly what he modelled and that is what he taught. Uh, let me just give one more uh, quote. This is from the Sermon on the Mount, from Jesus' teaching himself. Matthew chapter 5, verses 44 and 46 uh, to 46. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? So what Jesus says is that even the you know the, the worst people in society love people who love them. You know, that there is a it's easy to love people who you get on well with, who you have the same opinions as. What's hard is to love people who are different. But Jesus says we should do that. You know, that that, that is the, the aim of life, is to treat people well who we disagree with and who even our, as he says, even our enemies, whoever they may be. I think actually some people have called this the hardest teaching in the Bible. And I think that may be right because it is extremely hard to do. But this is what we are called to as Christians. And you think about what the world would be like if everyone did this. You know, politically, if people who disagreed politically could actually love one another and could actually, you know, say, well, I may not see eye to eye with you, but I'm going to see the good in you as a human being in the, made in the image of God. And I'm going to try and, you know, seek the best for you. Uh, you. Imagine how that would transform the way that we do politics, the way that we debate in society, the way that we've debated covid and climate change and all of these other things you know if we could do it in the spirit of wanting the best for one another rather than trying to have an in-group and an out-group and claiming that everyone who is on the other side is in the out-group and therefore heretics all of that kind of thing and i know that the church has definitely made you know, done some pretty awful things in the past um, and i i don't want to you know paper over that but certainly they've not done it on the authority of Jesus. And this is the this is the thing that you know Jesus says, love your enemies. And that is the, the teaching which we should be following as Christians, even if many Christians through the ages uh, have not followed this. Um, so, you know, love is what motivates us to reach out. And love doesn't coerce. It doesn't control. It's not cruel. You know, it just seeks to persuade people, but in a genuine, in a respectful and a gentle way. That is the way that we should be uh, operating. And, you know, the, thinking back, I, I'm beginning to get a bit frustrated, really. There are, I know there are a lot of people who might agree with 
some of the, the things I say politically, you know, when it comes to the problem to have with woke and with perhaps with climate change and so on, the way that the world is going with the lack of debate, but then might say, well, I think religion is is not good, you know, and I think that what I will want to say is we, we don't get to choose between religion and non-religion. The only the only choice we have is which religion you know, because woke itself seems to be becoming a religion. These causes seem to be becoming religious in nature. And that's because if you take out religion, people will will search for one because we are spiritual beings. We are made in the image of God. And so I would say the question is not whether we're going to have a religion or not and saying, well, all religions are clearly divisive. The problem is not with religion. It's with us as human beings. We are the divisive ones. And the question is not... Uh, are we going to have religion or not? But which are we going to believe? And I would say it's clear the only one which is going to make a positive difference is Christianity. Now that's what Western civilization was built on, and that is what we need if we want to move forward, looking forward positively. Um, that is what we really need. So, um, yeah, I think that um, you know, I, I just want to say to anyone, you know, whether you are Christian or not just to think carefully about what society should be based on. Um, don't just assume that, you know, religion is divisive or, or what have you, but think carefully about where our beliefs come from, where our values come from, where our morals come from, and how think about how we should treat those who, who disagree. Think about these things. And see, I hope, that Christianity is the only answer uh, to the problems that we have. So let's finish then with a, uh, a little reflection from the Bible. So just to finish with, I'm just going to read through Psalm 82. This is a psalm I read quite recently. And uh, I, it just really struck me as I was reading through how relevant it was for today. So let me read it first and then we'll, um, I'll just have share a very brief thought about it as uh, time is pushing on and I need to get going. God presides in the great assembly. He renders judgment among the gods. How long will you defend the unjust and show partiality to the wicked? Defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. The gods know nothing. They understand nothing. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I said, you are gods. You are all sons of the Most High. But you will die like mere mortals. You will fall like every other ruler. Rise up, O God. Judge the earth. For all the nations are your inheritance. I think this is a very striking psalm because it starts out by saying God presides in the great assembly. He renders judgment among the gods. And this is one of the, uh, the few passages in the Bible where it uses gods in, in that sense of talking about human beings. That's not to say that human beings are gods, but that that is how they consider themselves. And I think that's the point that the psalm is making. It's saying that these rulers think of themselves as gods. I don't know if that rings any bells for you um, lately. 
But uh, it says, how long will you defend the unjust and show partiality to the wicked? Now, they, they are doing what is wrong. They are not doing what is right, what is righteous, uh, these, these rulers. And that's how it often is in history, that these rulers, they get delusions of grandeur and then they start um, doing what is wrong. They do not uphold the cause of the oppressed and the fatherless and so on. And so God says, rescue the weak and the needy, deliver them from the hand of the wicked. You know, they should, that's what they should be doing. They should be seeking to ensure that justice is done for people who are unable to help themselves. And, you know, if you think recently about all of the corruption, I mean, we were looking at this a week or two ago about the conflicts of interest, for example, in Sage, the, the big pharma, big tech and so on, you know, the rich and the powerful who are really against the truth and, and against you know, you think about the, the vaccine manufacturers, for example, who have um, covered up the truth about uh, some of the problems and uh, who have not been straightforward and upfront and honest. Now, have the government held them to account? Now, they've just not just waved them through, but they've encouraged them. And uh, a large part of it is the corruption, you know, because they had shares in these companies and so on. And it's just full of corruption. Now, this is the problem. And I think this is the part of the problem that the psalm is dealing with saying that you know you need to do what is right and if you don't then there will be consequences as it says the gods know nothing they understand nothing they walk about in darkness all the foundations of the earth are shaken now this is what happens when there is corruption at the top when there is this um, ignoring of the truth you know, the, says the foundations of the earth are shaken. It, it it upends the world that God's made and everything goes wrong, which is, I think, what we are seeing happening. But it says, um, <clears throat> I said you are gods, you're all sons of the Most High, but you will die like mere mortals. You will fall like every other ruler. They Their destiny is to die like every other ruler, like everyone else. Whoever says they might be a god or whoever has that idea about themselves, actually, you know, they are going to die. They may think they are, they have godlike powers, but they are going to die and that will be their end. Their, their time span is limited. And even it says, verse 8, in the, the, the closing verse, Rise up, O God, judge the earth, for all the nations are your inheritance. Think there is a god who will judge the earth. There is a God who does care about righteousness and who does care about the cause of the poor and the fatherless, the widow, the oppressed, who does care about those things and who will rise up to judge the earth. And that's what we need to be praying for and seeking for at this time, to say to God, you know, there, there is injustice going on. We need, we need you, Lord, to rise up, to judge and to do what is right and just. So let's close then with a prayer asking, well, asking uh, for that as well as praying um, about the other things that, that we mentioned. So, uh, so let's close with a prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that there is uh, a God who does judge the earth. We thank you that you are God, that you judge and that uh, we can trust you for your righteousness and justice. And we pray that you would help us to look to you uh, for when, when we see injustice 
an unrighteousness happening, especially amongst um, the leaders of, uh, of our country and around the world. We ask, Lord, that you would rise up and that you would enable righteousness and justice to flourish. And we pray, Heavenly Father, as we think about causes, we ask, Lord, that your light would shine out and that people would see um, that causes uh, have to be put in, in their right context and that people would see that uh, it is important to love one another and that that is the, the most important thing and that um, we must treat each other well. And we pray that you would help us to set the example by treating people well who we disagree with and uh, to always be uh, gentle and respectful with other people and seek to persuade them rather than coerce or uh, or control or anything like that. So please help us to be a model of that which we, we preach. And we pray, Lord, that you would be with us in this coming week and ask for your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks so much, everyone. I've got to to go now um, to uh, to yeah for this uh, this funeral. It's a church family member, um, and uh, she she died uh, quite suddenly a few weeks ago. Um, I, I've heard anecdotally from other clergy folk that you know they're doing a high number of funerals at the moment. We haven't had very many, but you know it's so hard to know really what's going on. When I mentioned Martin McCutcheon's um, brother uh, dying quite suddenly, and you know this this kind of thing does seem to be happening. So um, there we go. Um, yeah, don't forget if you're on uh, YouTube uh, and I think on Odyssey, you can do this like, subscribe. Uh, if you're on Anchor, uh, not Anchor, on the podcast, the audio podcast, uh, it'd be great if you could leave me a rating, uh, even a review. That will help other people to find the podcast. And don't forget to share it with your friends if you enjoy it. Other people you think might appreciate. And I hope to see you again for the next one. Oh, yes, there's a buy me a coffee link as well. If you appreciate the podcast, I really do appreciate that, too. If you'd like to support me financially. Um, yeah, I really do appreciate that, too. Thanks so much, everyone. I look forward to seeing you soon. Uh, all the links down below, Telegram, email, whatever, you know, God bless and take care.